All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 96, the Miko Rant in an edition of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. Welcome in uh, Frank Saravalli. Frankie, um, here we are on the 14th of January and... We are on we are on pace to see something to absolutely blow out something we've never seen since the NHL came in with shootouts back in 2006. Do explain the gap in the Eastern Conference like the NHL loves parity. And maybe we should have seen this coming if you look at the uh, points percentages and the point totals of the teams last year. But the Boston Bruins now who have uh, started to roll a bit uh, once they put uh, Hall with Pasternak. Now they have two legit lines and they seem to be crushing it. Um, They're in eighth place. They're on pace for 106 points. They have a 6.647 points percentage. The ninth place team is Columbus. They're at 500 points. So they're on pace for 82. That'd be a 24 point gap. The biggest gap ever in the Eastern Conference, now excluding last year because everybody, there was four divisions, right? They only played their division, so I'm just going from the years, was four points in the East. We're on pace for 24 this year. Like, it's not even close right now. It's it's truly remarkable. The biggest gap we've seen in the, in the West since 06 was seven. Like, this is really uncharted waters to see 
so few teams even close to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. It is going to be the least interesting playoff race ever. I mean, we like, honestly, there's nothing to really even fight for in the East. Maybe you want home ice and, and maybe an extra home date, but it's not like winning your division is going to win you a better matchup in the first round or a better path because these teams are so closely grouped together. There's not a lot that separates really one through eight at this point. No, the, the only advantage is historically later in the playoffs, home season, a home ice advantage matters more. It doesn't seem to matter much in the first round uh, historically the last 15 years. But as you go deeper in the playoffs, home ice advantage counts more and definitely in game seven. These teams don't even need to do anything. They just need to tread water. Yeah, don't don't go on an eight game losing streak. That's it. <laughs> yeah, which is and even if they had an eight game losing streak, they'd need to have one of those teams further down go on an absolute run. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's remarkable, really. When I started digging into the numbers, it's it's boring, is what it is. Yeah, it totally is. So uh, and I don't I don't really see any team like we everybody's been waiting for the Islanders. Like that's the only one I can think of. Yeah. And I there's like the Islanders. I don't even know if we've talked about it enough, Frank. Everybody's like, ah, oh, look at the team Arizona built. They got rid of all their players. The Islander forwards have one more goal than the, the Coyotes forwards. And the Coyotes defense actually has more goals than the Islanders defense. Like the Islanders can't score goals. Like of epic proportions, how they struggle offensively. Usually the Barry Trotz motto is you can't win if you don't defend. Well, now it's you can't win if you don't score. They're actually not giving up a lot. No. They're giving up 82 goals so far. Um it's been fine. It's yeah. the fact that they have 67. That's problematic. Yeah, it is. A, it is a big issue. The other thing that's up significantly this year is empty net goals and uh, on pace to set the record for the most empty net goals ever in a season by a significant margin. And so when we see, you know, goals per game, it's still not high in the NHL, but they're relying even more on uh, empty netters. So that's another thing to watch for. I now I know that's because teams are pulling their goalie earlier in games. So that obviously leads to that uh, for sure. But it also skews a little bit when people like, Oh, look how scoring is. Well, yeah, you got way more empty net goals. Hmm. So just some little things to uh, look at as we are technically at the midway point of the season, even though teams haven't played a peek uh, into the games. mind of Jason Greger. Yeah. I like to look at numbers and trends and different things. Um, give me a peek into uh, Evander Kane, the, the investigation by the national hockey league. And where do you think this goes? Honestly, it's a wait and see it's how quickly is the NHL gonna is this investigation that's independent going to wrap up? Um, how much is Evander Kane cooperating? How much is his agent cooperating? And then does there need to be a hearing for any potential discipline for Evander Kane? I mean, I, I've mentioned this week, that's the thing that's cooled off the conversation between Evander Kane and teams. Now, it's been interesting for me to watch some of the coverage of it because I've seen in at least two different outlets in the last number of days say that Evander Kane is taking his own time now and it's everyone's waiting for him to make a decision. I personally don't believe that's the case. Um, I'm not crapping on anyone else's reporting, but let's say you're a team that wants to sign Evander Kane. And you know that he's potentially facing discipline. Well, we all know how the NHL system works in terms of handing out discipline. The suspensions typically don't get any less severe when you have a subsequent violation of the same set of rules. It typically gets worse. Evander Kane was already suspended for 21 games on October 18th 
for violating the league's COVID-19 policy by submitting a fake vaccination card. So if he then broke the same set of rules again, which the NHL has jurisdiction on, even though he was technically in the AHL at the time because he has an NHL contract, well, wouldn't the suspension be much more than 21 games the second time around? So if it is, again, purely hypothetical, if it's 40 games, there's only 50 left and less than 50 left in the regular season. Some teams are approaching 45. Why would you sign Evander Kane at this point? Yeah, no, it's the fair. money you're going to pay him is going directly into the NHL's coffers. So I'm not entirely certain why I've seen it positioned that it's everyone's waiting on Evander Kane to make a decision. Yes, he could sign right now. Any team is free to do so. They just have to deal with the ramifications of whatever might come. And, and we're not saying that a suspension definitely is coming, but the fact that the NHL sent that memo to its 32 teams saying that it may be subject to, well, why would we be led to believe anything different? Yeah. And, and it's important for people to know now, San Jose, when Caden was suspended for this violation, it didn't count against the cap, which is rare. Normally, when you're suspended, it counts against the cap and you're actually a roster spot. Um, he wasn't. So if you're a team, if all of a sudden now I know the rosters expand and everything after the trade deadline, but um, things are tight. Would you want a player who suddenly now is counting against your cap that, you know, can't play for basically the majority of the remainder? Even if he is or isn't counting against the cap, it's going to be a minimal cap hit. Anyway, it's going to be prorated. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think it has something to do with the idea of taking the PR hit to then have a guy that you can't can't even play. Yeah, but it also does take up a spot on the 23 man roster. Right. So then you only have 22. It, it may or may. You're saying previously it did. Yeah, previously it didn't. So, so I, I don't know why in this case it yeah. would. Yeah, well, some people said they kind of did him a favor because it was so much. And I don't know how truthful it is because we'd never seen that before. Right. When Rafi Torres had his suspension, he counted against the cap and he was yeah, on but the, the roster. There are two different things, I think. One is an on ice play suspension. Yeah. Rafi Torres. Evander Kane was an off ice, you know, commissioner discipline suspension. Yeah, no, it's They're fair. two totally just, different departments, two totally different suspensions. Yeah, but it was usually suspensions historically have counted. So I don't see, I'm with you. I don't see a team doing it until they find out what the punishment's going to be. If it was up to Evander Kane, like, wouldn't he have just decided and moved on by now and then signed the contract? Like, why would he be sitting around waiting? Yeah, I don't under that doesn't that seems odd to me. What would be the benefit for him to do that? And unless unless he thinks he can go to the KHL. Well, I mean, he might be able to and then come back before March 21st trade deadline. But either no, no, way, he's if still he's still subject to discipline, yeah. it doesn't yeah. the timer doesn't start until he's on a roster. No, 100 percent. So, yeah, I don't uh, I think the fact that it's a unless they find that somehow he didn't, um, you know, because the, the, the whole thing is here. He tested positive on the 21st of December and then he flew on the 29th. And um, that is in violation of, according to the uh, Canadian flight, you're not supposed to be on a plane if you've tested positive within 15 days. Now, a lot of people are like, well, you have to submit a test to get on the flight. That's well, that's not. Yeah, not accurate. Yeah, yeah. doesn't matter because you don't have, no. you still you can be negative. But that still doesn't change the fact that you were positive eight days earlier. Correct. Correct. And and in addition to that, you know, there are some people saying, well, what if he drove across the border? Well, that would be different. Yes. But he'd have to present proof to the NHL that that's what he did as opposed to what was reported. 
Yeah. Well, I'm sure they have a flight log if somebody wants to go it, it'd be easy to find. Yeah. I would think yeah. very much so. So but that's it, a- it, what it requires, as I said, is active participation from Evander Kane. Help yourself, help yourself clear your name. Or in the other case, he may not participate, um, you know, pleading the fifth. I'm not going to incriminate myself. Yeah. Very fair. Um, the NHL uh, All-Star game is still going to go. Uh, they announced the uh, rosters. There's still the uh, the last man standing where you can vote in for every team. Um, Frank, when they I'm a, now I'm not one who complains about how the game is played. I understand it's an All-Star game. I don't expect guys to run around and hit each other. You know what? It's a three-on-three now that they play. It's totally fine. What I, what I think the NHL needs to change, I don't see the benefit of having a player from every team. If you look right now today, the NHL, four of the top 10 scorers weren't announced to the All-Star game. Nazem Kadri, Steven Stamkos, Brad Marchand, and Miko Rantanen. How, how can you have four of your top? And, and by the way, Roman Yossi, who's the second highest scoring defenseman, who's 15th in points, he's not there. Like the, That's not an All-Star team to me. I don't get worked up about this at all. I don't think anyone actually cares about the game. I don't know why anyone would care about the rosters. And I say that with like all due respect. It doesn't matter. That's, that's my own personal take is like people faint, not saying you are, but I see on social media. And again, if you're not outraged, you're not doing it right. But I see people feign outrage. How could this guy not be here? Well, like the rules are the rules. You need a player from every team. I understand why you need a player from every team, because if you understand the behind the scenes at the all-star there are representatives and sponsors sent from a lot of local, not local teams, but all 32 teams are sending people to the game. They all want to see someone from their hometown team participate in the weekend. It's not Vegas fans that are filling the building. It's fans from all 32 markets that make it there. Sponsors, business partners. There's a lot of financial um, backing that's important to the NHL that makes it to all-star weekend as a thank you. That's why there's one player, at least from every team. And that's not going anywhere. And frankly, it shouldn't. How do you have an all-star game or an all-star weekend where you might only have 17 or 20 teams represented that that's no good either. So that's the, the background to it. And in the meantime, I just, I don't, doesn't bother me or I don't get worked up at all. Well, Should Nazem Kadri be on the team? Yes. But if you put Nazem Kadri on the team, that means you're taking off Nathan McKinnon. It's the all-star weekend. You're not taking Nathan McKinnon out for Nazem Kadri. Well, you could take him out for, and no offense, Adrian Kempe, but what about Sidney Crosby then? It's the all-star weekend, and you've got one of the biggest names in your sport. Not there. Sidney Crosby has made it abundantly clear that he has no interest in going <laughs> to the NHL all-star weekend. Yeah. So rather than put those guys, first off, Sidney Crosby has also missed a lot, you know, a chunk of the season, um, but he's made it clear to them he doesn't want to go. So they don't pick people that don't want to go so that they don't have to be put in a spot where they're getting suspended for not going. Yeah. Wow. I will say this. The NBA All-Star Weekend has all the pomp and flash, probably the best, and they only pick their best stars. That's just what they do. They take their biggest names all the time. But they all also show up. No, no, that's valid. That is totally fair. So the players, maybe themselves, need to be a little bit more Bingo. aware of the, of the situation. To uh, you know, if you want to grow the game, I think I, I've said this: marketing one hundred and one is still something that the NHLPA needs to improve on a hundred percent. 
It's the buy-in from the players. That's what makes NBA All-Star Weekend interesting. They're all into it. It's not like someone dragged them there and they're stuck there. And by the way, like this should be a fun and easy one to attract people to. It's in Vegas. It's warm. There's a lot to do off the ice. They're going to make it fun off the ice with the skills competition, doing stuff on Las Vegas Boulevard. Like, why wouldn't you want to be part of it on the biggest sports network in the U.S. on ESPN to help sell the game? Yes. Instead, yeah. there's pushback because there always is. And there's players that are grumbling behind the scenes now saying, COVID, I don't want to go there and get COVID. I, I, I don't want to play. Now, well, there is valid there that for one year, I could understand that argument for this season and where the state of the, the world's at. I could understand that if you're one. Although but those were probably the same players that were like, I can't believe we're not going to Beijing. Like, <laughs> yeah, fair. I point. mean, like it, you can't win any which way. No. Well, what, I think we're up to over half of the NHL. It's over 500 players now who've been in uh, COVID protocol uh, that we surpassed a thousand players who have played at least one game in the NHL this season already. Obviously a new record, which isn't surprising based on uh, uh, how things are going. But I just I look at at the NHL and you see the All-Star weekend and I just I find that it and, and again, I'm not complaining about the quality of the game. I understand what the game's about. I just think when it comes to a marketing standpoint from the league and the players that they still got lots of room to understand how to make this a true marquee event. Yeah. And I don't know, hopefully this takes the next step. I don't think it's for any lack of trying on the NHL's behalf either. Like they pump significant money into the weekend. Uh, Clearly they're trying to do new things off the ice to engage the players and we'll see how it goes. I I also think maybe you freshen it up a little bit and, you know, every year try something a little bit different. That was Tyler's suggestion on our show the other day, you know, Every year, do something a little different, a little wrinkle that makes the gameplay itself a little more interesting. And if they were really hell bent on making sure there was representation from every team, then bring back the young stars game and you can ensure then because most of the teams who don't have all stars have young guys who could play there. Yeah, Yeah, I just can't believe you're hating on Adrian Kempe. Oh, I'm just using him as an example. Like, hey, he's got a good season, 16 goals, but he has 22 points and Nazem Kadri has 48. Like it's... Uh, to me, it's one where I would, uh, when I have four of the top 10 scores, like maybe Brad Marchand said he didn't want to go, but it it doesn't understand how the one Boston representative has, you know, 13 fewer points. So maybe Marchand said, no, thank you. And they sent Patrice Bergeron, but Bergeron's older too. And so, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of odd to me to see, you know, like Marchand would be the poster boy for the, he's got personality. The guy, he's one player who seems to get it. He's doing interviews mic'd up in warmup for goodness sakes, Frank. Like he seems to understand that this is entertainment and we've got to do a little bit more here to engage the fans. He's had an entertaining week too. The whole Bruins team has had an entertaining week. Um, I'm with you, but again, there's another part of this that I think the general or casual fan doesn't recognize. And that is the NHL picks these teams from hockey ops based on conversations with GMs. So maybe Patrice Bergeron has said, Hey, this may or may not be my last year. Can I take my kids to all-star weekend? Can you help me get there? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I'm just throwing a hypothetical out there, but if that's the case, well, then they're sending Patrice Bergeron all day long. Sure. But it's, you know what though, Bergeron, if you had the best of the East, he still likely would have been, you could have put he, him in, there in the conversation argument. Yeah, yeah exactly. it wouldn't feel weird. 
No, not at all. Uh, let's welcome in uh, Tyler Uremchuk to the show for the uh, Friday. What hat are you wearing? A little uh, throwback Bills hat here. It's, you know, while they're, uh, yeah, coming up on wildcard like weekend it. here in the NFL. Well, you take so it. You got your team. Bills, uh, Bills Mafia against the Pats this weekend. Yeah. Um, as I like to say, the Pats are frauds. Mac Jones can't throw a football, so I'm taking the Bills all day. Um, anyways, let's get into the hockey talk here. Episode 96. You called it the Miko Randon episode. I actually think it might be the anti-Adrian Kempe episode. That's my, yeah. might be what we have to call it. Hater. <laughs> Uh, all right. It's brought to you by DoorDash. Promo code RundownDD gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. This question, I wrote it up before the show started, so I'm throwing it your way anyways. Frank, you might not like it, but the biggest all-star game snub is blank. Frank, you got one? It's probably Kadri, but he probably ends up going as the last man, man in anyway. Fair enough. Jason? Stamkos. Okay, yeah. And that's Bounce who back I... here, guys. Sixth in league scoring, killing it. Yeah, it's a great story. Um, and you know what? He can't go to the Olympics. And now he can't even go to the All-Star <laughs> game. Jeez. Tough year for old Stammer. He, he also might be a guy who isn't too upset about having a little bit of downtime here uh, in the middle of the season, a veteran guy. Um, all right. There are seven players in the NHL who are in their contract year and are currently averaging a point per game or better. They are Nazem Kadri, Evgeny Malkin's technically on the list. Um, even though he's only played two games, but Brian Rust, Jason Robertson, and RFA, Johnny Goudreau, Philip Forsberg, and Joe Pavelski. The question is the player in the contract in a contract year who's made themselves the most money this season is blank. Jason. Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, well, as Malkin said, he's rich. He doesn't really need any money. So I don't think I'm going to go with him. Uh, Pavelski's age. I'll take him out. I will. I'm going to say Johnny Gaudreau is just reaffirming that he's a legit score in case people forgot. And uh, he, he'll be uh, his contract will be starting with an eight. Frank. Maybe. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take this another direction because I think that Johnny Gaudreau was going to be making a lot of money anyway. Mm -hmm. So the Delta between what Johnny Gaudreau was going to get and what Johnny Gaudreau is actually going to get now are probably not all that different. But I will say that Joe Pavelski, I think before the season, was probably trending towards, I don't know, he's making seven now. He was probably trending towards like five, I don't know, four and a half. And he, you could easily make the case that he should get another significant deal in terms of actual total dollars. His last year, his last deal, three years, 21 million. He might've got himself an extra $10 million this year. Wow. Total over the course of his deal. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And uh, going further down the list of guys who are in their contract years, I didn't want to rattle them all off, but a guy like Tony D'Angelo, you got to think, I mean, oh. the money he's going to get on his next well, that, deal. I mean, that wasn't fair. Yeah. Cause he started at a million. It's easy yeah. to go up. Well, hey, the payday is a payday. Uh, Evan Rodriguez as well as another guy. And uh, I'm using this question to promote the daily face-off show. Rachel Dory dove into this and she's going to give us some more answers and some more insight coming up on the daily face-off show later today. Uh, the last one, speaking of Evan Rodriguez, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they currently sit 
fourth by points percentage in the Metro division. But if they win their games in hand, they would be tied or yeah, they'd be tied with the caps and one point back at the Rangers. And I mean, Malkin's back. It seems like they're really buzzing here. Jake Gensel would be another interesting all-star game snub. Anyways, the question is the Penguins will finish the season with, or sorry, in blank in the Metro division. Where will they finish in the Metro? I will say they finish fourth. Sam, you don't think they're moving. You don't like the Geno magic, the Malkin magic, sparking them up and passing someone. Well, I don't I know how much better that. they could do than what they're already doing. Yeah, they're 10 and one in their last 11. I don't know if they're going to go 11 and no. Like they've been on a heater and eventually every heater uh, comes to an end. Uh, they're still good. Don't get me wrong. Being fourth in that division might be their fourth. And that means they're only three points out of first. Like, yeah. I think it's going to be a dog fight. Fair enough. I just don't uh, think they're better than any of those three teams that are ahead of them. And I think that's ultimately their problem this season is which team are they beating in a playoff series? Yeah. And, and that's a good point as well. I mean, it's an experienced group and the playoffs can be weird, but their goaltending hasn't held up in playoffs past. And that'd be the one area that would still concern me a little bit, even though Jari's having a great year. I was going to uh, say that's the area that doesn't surprise, yeah. that doesn't concern me. Really? Like, I would think that Jari with the season he has, like we don't have any, any reason to expect from the play that we've seen this year that he's, the wheels are just going to fall off. Let's wrap this up with the points bet bonus question. Our friends at points bet Canada just tweeted out a link. They're partnering up with the trailer park boys to do a little bit of a partnership with the two sides. They announced the NHL alumni association earlier in the week. We're going to have more on that uh, on Monday on our show. Um, but they, they just announced a partnership with the trailer park boys. And I haven't watched the video yet because we've been doing this in the moments where they announced it, but I'm very excited to go watch that. Uh, been a crazy trend of underdogs over the last couple of days in the NHL. You had the Sabres beating the Predators, the Senators beat the Flames, and they were big underdogs. And then going back a few days, you had the Coyotes beating the Maple Leafs. Tonight in the NHL, the Stars are plus 170 against the Panthers. The Ducks are plus 130 against the Wild. And the Yotes are plus 440 against the Avalanche. Your points about bonus question. Underdog. Which underdog's got the best shot today? You picking one, Frank? First off, you roped us into this crap question last time on Monday, and you said, hey, can the Avs win by more than uh, two and a half goals? Yeah. And I was like, of course they can. But like, if you put a gun to my head, I'm not taking that bet any day of the week. Like, I, don't, like, <laughs> I, don't like the, I don't like the puck line as it is most nights. Mm -hmm. it, it, it keeps me awake at night. Uh, I am going to say, though, again, if there is a gun to my head, mm -hmm. I would say the stars over the Panthers plus 170. All right. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I'm sorry. Hey, Arizona had their game of the week. Um, they're by the way, Frank, they're up to uh, eight wins on this. They're at the nine wins now, buddy. They're, they're right on pace they for a 17 cruising. <laughs> they are on a roll. Um, I would too. Why, wait, why can't they do it again though? I don't understand. Like, see if I, if I really, if I wanted to have fun, that's the team I would put the money on. Cause it's plus four forty. Yeah, wow. Well. I mean, all you need is another ridiculous Vemelka night. Yeah, wow. Well, uh, you, you, you say it like you said they already had their game of the week. Like, whoa, whoa they can't yeah. have another one. The goalie Not can't go do the same thing again. Kale McCarr is just too good right now. That's why. It's on a roll. Well, don't take betting advice from me because I'm on an all-time cold streak right now, but uh, I'll get back at it with my picks later today on our live show. And that's going to do it for another edition of Fill in the Blank. It is funny about the uh, the underdogs and the upsets. And you wonder, you know, co coming out of COVID, Frank, it's another story I might have to dive into a little bit more. We've seen some teams like the Calgary Flames just haven't been the same. 
team mm-hmm. since uh, their COVID break. Well, how and, could they be? Yeah, but they well, played they, their first home game this week in more than a calendar month. No, but even that, like they're they're what are they three? Yeah, three, seven they, and one in their last eleven games. Like I know they were on a heater a bit beforehand, mm-hmm. but I do. I there are I've seen some players who are playing post COVID, but they just don't seem the same. And I, I wonder if it's if players will. I know how players never want to make excuses, but I just do wonder if there's a little bit of lethargy from some of these players coming back while they're you know they're deemed healthy. Frank, you know what I mean? They just they're not in the same cardio or mentally or physically than they would be. I think that Calgary team is, is feeling itself a little bit right now. Hey, we got our stuff handed to us and that trip down South Florida, Tampa, Carolina, that was ugly. Yeah. How, you know, maybe they're, they're asking themselves, maybe it's a little bit more psychological than anything else. What mm-hmm. are we, are we any good? Yeah, something to watch for for sure. Vancouver's in that same death row trip right now, and it hasn't gone good. The uh, the Bruce Brujo effect seems to be uh, wearing off a little bit for the uh, Canucks. Um, uh, let's welcome in our guest on the show. Uh, coming up, uh, Tyler Smith, of course, a uh, uh, former member of the uh, Humble Broncos. He's uh, now doing some, he's got a podcast with the uh, NHLer Riley Shahan, uh, doing some other uh, media stuff, and he's always been a huge advocate of mental health. That's right, Jason. Pleased to welcome in Tyler Smith, one of the 29 on the bus with the Humboldt Broncos that they almost four years ago now closing in in April. So, Tyler, I guess the best way to start, give us an update. What are you up to right now? Yeah, uh, I guess that's the best way to go about it. Uh, moved from Leduc to Calgary almost uh, just over a year ago now. So definitely enjoying the new scenery. Uh, other than that, I got a podcast going with Riley Shan of the Seattle Kraken, which I uh, Never anticipated doing, but it's been uh, it's been pretty remarkable to be able to obviously connect with him and and chat with some uh, some pretty influential people just about mental health as a whole and kind of their journeys. And then other than that, um, I'm coaching a little peewee double team, which uh, once again I never thought I'd be doing, but it's an absolute blast to be able to you know connect with these youth and and be able to hopefully make an impact. You know, I remember even Colin Gregor, my uh, my Bantam AAA coach and and all that he taught us. And and uh, as you move on, I think obviously coaches can make a huge impact. And right now it's, uh, it's a pretty fragile time for youth and to be able to, like I said, make that impact and hopefully instill some proper values in them and make sure that, you know, as much as it's been a, a murky couple of years that they can definitely enjoy these moments. Now we were talking offline, Tyler, and you mentioned how you got into the podcast with Riley Shahan. So tell us that story, but also like some of the people that you've been able to talk to and what those conversations on the podcast have been like for those that haven't had a chance to listen. So I got connected uh, with Riley Shan through a Treadstone Sports Agency. Uh, they deal with a couple of players out of the NHL and uh, and help them with their branding and marketing and all that. So. Uh, I was actually the first episode guest for Riley and his original co-host. And after the episode, they asked me to be the co-host and I, uh, I couldn't say no to that. And uh, I think for us, the biggest thing is obviously we want to be able to get to a point where we can, you know, be comfortable getting uncomfortable. Um, and I think the the main thing is we don't want it to be like a, you know, somebody comes on and acts like it's a full on interview. You know, we want to just have open dialogue. We want them to ask us questions. And um, our, even our recent two guests have been, you know, two, eight and 10 year retired NFL 
centers and NFL veterans who, you know, made the big change. I mean, even the one guest, Joe Hawley, just picked up after an eight year career and, and just bought a van and, and traveled around, lost a bunch of weight. And I mean, to be able to, you know, hear that perspective from a professional athlete and, and hear how they talk about the grief of even losing their professional sport that, you know, they've lived and breathed for the past how many years is, uh, it's pretty spectacular. And, um, to hear those new perspectives I find is huge for me. Um, I love hearing new things and new ways to look at, um, even just life in general. And, and so something like, you know, what Joe said about grief is the most profound form of love, you know, to have loved and to have lost, whether that's losing a loved one and losing your sports. I mean, there's so many ways to look at it and to, you know, now I can align myself with that value, which is, uh, yeah, it's, it's special. Tyler, obviously you you went through a very traumatic experience and when mental health and the focus on it, I think now is, is a lot more positive than it ever has been before. And, and more people are willing to, to discuss their levels of it for you yourself. You know, it's ongoing and I would think maybe it's a little bit therapeutic and every in your podcast, even just to talk to, to other people about it. But when did you maybe, how long did it take for you to get comfortable in, in understanding your grief and, and how to accept it? And then maybe, I don't know if move past it's even the proper term or just to, to, uh, to deal with it. Yeah, that's a good question. I think probably it sounds bad, but like nine months, I think it honestly took like nine months to really come to terms with what was going on and, and to honestly give myself that time and space to, you know, feel emotions and go through that grief grief process. I mean, I think I've gotten to a point, I can't speak for everybody else, but I know that this is a lifelong thing. At the end of the day, we lost 16 amazing people and I'm not just going to forget about that. And I think the the other hard part was the moving forward with grief. I never thought, you know, I could move forward and, and know that they're always there and know that I can, you know, just talk to them or, or whatever I want to do. You know, I can look up through my sunroof and have a conversation. I mean, I know I'm not going to get an answer back and I know that I'm never going to understand why we lost. I mean, those amazing people, but at the end of the day, if I can get to a place where I'm in a mental state that I can, you know, do some speaking and, and have that therapy for myself, um, while also, you know, moving forward with that grief and moving forward, knowing that I got some time with some, some amazing people and I was able to create some amazing memories. And I think I can, I can cherish that. And I mean, I can have these connections with, with the 29 families that, you know, we're bonded for life. And as much as, you know, it's a very unique circumstance and it's a very unique situation. Um, I think just getting down to the, the simple cliche of, you know, just making them proud and hoping that I can make them proud in some way. Um, and for the public speaking aspect, like I still don't actually consider myself a public speaker, a mental health advocate, because I just go up there and I ramble. You know, I just I just tell my story. I tell my journey in hopes that it makes an impact and in hopes that, you know, that day, that particular day, somebody needs to hear something that resonates with them in order to um, I get get to the point where they become vulnerable with the people around them. And I mean, my poor family went through the whole time of me just sitting there and just saying, I'm OK, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Just that emotionally frozen state. So. When you, you know, you, you talk about the, the 16 who passed and then, of course, there's the survivors. And 
I think the truth is about any junior team that you play on, you know, some people lose connection over time. Um, was there a part where you had to accept that, you know what? Yeah, we're, we're all survivors, but that doesn't mean we're all going to be close at all the time, right? Like sometimes you cannot see some of your friends in two years and you pick up and everything's the same. Was there initial, like the pressure feeling like we have to stay together and then realizing that just because we don't talk all the time, doesn't mean that we're not on, that we don't have each other's back. How, how do you and, and the other survivors deal with that? Yeah, I think that's the part that made it so unique. Obviously, there's the 29 families and uh, us 13 survivors. That's a that's a unique situation. I mean, like you you put it you hit the nail on the head. At the end of the day, every junior season, every season in general, I mean, you lose touch with guys. And um, at, you know, I'm maybe not as close with some guys as I am with other guys, but that's normal. But at the end of the day, I mean, I I love and respect them for who they are and and what journey they're taking on this. And, um, for the most part, I think even this summer being able to get together in Saskatoon, you, you said it again. I mean, we picked up where we left off and to be able to have those laughs again and kind of recreate that, that special dressing room atmosphere that we have is, uh, it's incredible in a weird way, you know, cause it feels like you're just right back where you left off, even though, you know, this past couple four or this past four years has been incredibly hard. Um, so to be able to, I guess, really get down to the basics and, and when we get together, be present and, and have the ability to cherish that in, um, in our own way now, because of what we went through, um, I think has been something that we've really latched onto. Tyler, when you look at your journey, uh, not just, you know, where you've been, but also where you are now, is there a particular hurdle that stands out to you that you're proud of sort of maybe overcoming or, or what, what do you think has been, you know, one of the most difficult things to sort of process along the way? I've learned a lot of lessons over the past, you know, four years. I think I've, I've aged probably more than I could have ever in the past hey, four hey, years. Look at this. I've <laughs> aged pretty well myself. So yeah, for sure. But uh, I think honestly, the biggest lesson I had to learn was uh, the fact that, you know, that first step and, and going to someone you love and just saying, you know, I'm, I'm not doing so hot and I'm struggling and I need somebody. Um, I think even those three words, you know, I need somebody or I need help and, and to understand and acknowledge that, Oh my God, you know, that actually takes a ton of strength. That actually takes a ton of courage. I mean, growing up in this, in this wonderful world, I've got to live with hockey, lacrosse, golf. I mean, it was always, you know, athlete state of mind. It was always blinders on. It was always making sure that my teammates are doing good. My body feels good. And I mean, the mental and emotional, I always thought would just follow. Um, and unfortunately it caught up to me after the accident. And that's when I started to be proud of myself for making those small steps and understanding that, you know, this is a, this is a hard thing to do and there shouldn't be shame attached. And I mean, even a big push for me was seeing professional athletes have the courage to, you know, become vulnerable with their whole fan base and everybody and, and just talk to the everybody about what is really going on. And as much as much as it, it's amazing to make millions of dollars and be a star, I mean, we're all just human beings and we all have our own story. And um, I think that's uh, that's something I now acknowledge and, and, and can appreciate, especially from professional athletes who take the time to understand that them, you know, going out of their way and, and having a conversation and sharing about how they've been doing can really impact a lot of people that they don't even realize. So what led you to your clothing apparel, not alone? Is that sort of being able to step up and have that conversation? Is that what gave you the idea to do that? 
Yeah, once again, I, I had no uh, initial expectations about how that was going to go. I literally just went up on a hike one time and took some photos in it. And um, I got a good response about people, you know, wondering where it came from. And um, now I think it's the biggest thing is I can, I want, I think people need a community. People want a community. And I, I want people to be able to wear their vulnerability, pri- like pride or proudly, sorry. And I think that's a, that's a big thing to do because it's hard enough becoming vulnerable in in just your everyday life, but to be able to, you know, wear these messages and wear these mental health messages on your, on your clothing takes a, takes a lot of courage and takes a lot of courage to be able to go out in public. And um, at the end of the day, my ultimate goal is to one day have, you know, two people meet at a grocery store wearing the not alone and just be able to have an open conversation. I mean, this is probably a huge stretch, but I know it's tough right now with the masks and everything, but um, I've got a lot of messages about people, you know, initiating these tough conversations literally just from the messaging on the sweater whether it's with loved ones or whether it's with you know friends and family and i think that's uh that's the main goal of this i mean to help facilitate these conversations that don't normally happen especially in the obviously in the hockey world tyler your your age you're you know you're 23 years of age your your, your generation has has kind of grown up uh, with the phone and, and there's lots of talk about social media and there's so many different uh, social media i'm i'm on twitter because of work and that's pretty much the only one for the most part that, that i'm on and, and and younger people are on a lot of them when we talk about mental health there's so many studies about that too much of that isn't good how, how do you incorporate that as you know what's the message to your generation when it comes to electronics and social media? Yeah, I definitely wish I had more of a, a better grasp and understanding of that. I'm, I mean, I'm learning every day about that, especially, and I need to do a better job as well. But I think honestly, it's just figuring out what works for you and getting out of your comfort zone in that sense. I mean, literally just even, you can still use your phone, but go for a walk and listen to a podcast. I mean, that's been huge for me. And I know it's been obviously cold here, but um, now that it's warmed up, I mean, I find it really refreshing just to, honestly just get out and just move my body and even going to the gym i mean growing up as an athlete i mean i I never want to lose that and i think it's instilled in me now but i mean to be able to move my body and not just sit there for an hour and a half on my phone and um, i think there's so many little things that make up your day that you can really um, change around just with a couple small habit changes and i know it's the new year's resolutions and all that and people are going through that but um yeah, it's tough because, you know, you never want to miss anything and you never want to have that FOMO and you never want to, you know, not see something that's going on. And um, I'm guilty of it as well. But at the end of the day, it's, it's being able to to get out of your comfort zone in that sense where it's not just so easy to just lay there and, and be on your phone for four and a half hours or five hours a day. I mean, um, there's so many things that you can do instead of that, which I uh, I, I never valued as much as I do now. What, what is, what is FOMO? <laughs> the fear of missing out, Jason. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. clear, clearly that. there you, you go. You were just talking yeah. about your age. You just showed it right there. Hey, you know what, dude, I'm not a big guy. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not big on the acronyms. Like I, I caught up on YOLO quite a while ago, but I was a little <laughs> yeah. bit behind that one. That's so. the only four letter <laughs> one he's up. Fear on. of missing out. Well, the good news is I clearly don't suffer from that because I didn't exactly. even know what it was. So I'm not, I'm not missing out on anything. So that's good. Uh, hey, Ty, I know that you went, uh, you know, short term after you came back and you played hockey briefly for a bit for the Broncos. And then you're like, you know what? It's not, it's not for me. Are you playing rec league at all? Are you still playing hockey? You mentioned coaching or are you just coaching right now? 
Uh, believe it or not, I, I tend to put my full gear on for these uh, peewee practices every once in a while to uh, get a good sweat like I used to. But other than that, I, uh, I definitely play some rec league here and there and, and I'll hop out to the ODR, even though it hasn't been uh, very good weather wise, but uh, I miss it. But at the end of the day, I'm just happy where I am and I'm happy I'm able to give back. I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Physically, you're okay. Like, like playing hockey doesn't hurt. Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I'm definitely still, um, careful in a sense. Um, I, I have some things that I'll be careful for, for the rest of my life, but I'm at a place now where I can, you know, do what I love and do the things that I used to do and, and not have to have that constant kind of worry in the back of my mind. Tyler, how do you think, you know, you mentioned that with some guys you're closer with than others and, and obviously on any team, that's just natural. How do you think you guys have helped each other along through this process? Yeah, I think just that support system and those weird kind of, um, I mean, not weird, but just those unique memories we had as well. I mean, we're the only ones that can really dive into that year and dive into how special of a team it was and dive into, you know, that, that culture that our coach created. I mean, I honestly wish that there was a crash course for every coach about, you know, what Darcy Hogan did because uh, I mean, it was so, it's so cliche and I hate saying it, but at the end of the day, we honestly played for the logo on the front and we, we appreciated our community. We did things in the community. There were so many things that um, he instilled in us. I mean, his core covenant, the first one was family first. And I mean, it's, as much as we were, we still had our families back home. I mean, a lot of us were away from our family and, and our family was, was that family at the rink. I mean, we would spend hours in, in Dana's training room and before games and before practices, just, you know, just chatting and just having a good time. And um, yeah, I mean, there was so much that made up that year and there was so much that, that we have now, you know, that we can, we can, talk about and we can cherish you know looking back when we get together we can just we can just pick those little memories that really you know stuck with us I mean and it's it's fun to be able to you know I wish my memory was a little better because there's things throughout the year that I'll I'll forget and I mean for guys to you know pinpoint that exact moment and and it starts to come back and and those are when the the juices really get flowing about you know how much fun we really did have as a group Tell us about the connection that you have with the families of people that, that lost a loved one as well. Um, I know that that community has remained really tight in just in terms of helping support each other through what's been an, an incredibly difficult time. Yeah. Like even when I left Humboldt to, after I went back, I mean, before I went into the coach's office and ultimately made my decision, I actually called, you know, Toby Boulay. Um, I, I needed his advice just because I know that obviously I look up to him and he's an influential person in my life. And, and he, at that moment, I didn't want to let anybody down and I didn't want to come to terms with the fact that I was stepping away because it was my decision. You know, I wanted to make sure that I was playing for everybody on the bus that day, no matter what I was going through. And, and he said the, the simple words that, you know, this is your journey and this is your happiness and we're just going to be here to support you. And I, I think that's the, that's the main thing that I hold on to now is at the end of the day, I know that these, these families that unfortunately um, have went through something that I hope nobody ever goes through again um, are still going to love and support us. And it's, it's both ways. I mean, when we get together in the summertime at the humble golf tournament or even the, 
the St. Albert Memorial Tournament we do for four of the boys, where it's just a bunch of hockey guys that get together for these four incredible, incredible guys that we lost. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing the strength that these families have. It's amazing to watch, you know, what has come from it, whether it's Logan Boulay effect. I mean, there's so many, there's so many foundations. There's so many charities that have, you know, been built up you know, because of uh, obviously the legacies and that we want to continue honor um, from everybody that we lost. Ty, this might be a, a tough question, but, but I'm curious about it. When you, when you talk about your journey and, and getting over things and dealing with grief, um, have you ridden on a bus since um, wh- whether coaching with your peewee team or not? And what was that a, a major hurdle for you to get over? I actually had to ride the bus when I, I got back to Humboldt. I remember that uh, the first game was at home and then the second game we had to go on an away trip. And, and luckily, you know, I had Patter in front of me and I had Camel behind me. So, I mean, they were constantly checking on me. I think it was only a quick trip to, to Melford or Nipplin. But, yeah, that was something that wasn't easy. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of guys talk about how sacred the bus is and how, how special that place can be. And, um, and stepping onto that, I mean, I knew that I'm never going to be put in that situation again, where I can see the faces that I want to see, but I mean, being able to get on that bus and, and get through that hurdle and get through those, you know, that, that big, I guess, step, um, was something that I can look back on and be proud of now. I mean, I've been on buses, um, even since then, and as much as my mind is constantly going about, you know, what we were doing on the bus or, or what, whatever, whatever it was. I mean, but at the end of the day, um, getting through that now and, and making that hurdle is something I think has allowed me to heal even more. Um, but even still, I mean, every time I see a bus, every time I see a semi truck, it's, it's the first thought in my mind. And that's a, that's an everyday occurrence. So. Tyler, you're dealing with mental health as, uh, and, and obviously yours, a very severe traumatic experience. And, and it seems like you're doing really well, which is outstanding. Uh, and, you know, Noah and I talk about it uh, quite often every now and then, and he's pretty proud of everything you've done, but for, for people like you just talked about getting on that bus and, and there's all different steps on, on the journey to healing, or maybe just in normalcy and, and everybody's definition of normal is going to be different. But what have you learned maybe the most, as you've talked to so many different people who've had to, to deal with trauma that that's allowed you to become stronger through the process that maybe you were completely unaware of when you started? I was aware, unaware of how much it was going to be a journey. I, I think that was the, the one thing that I didn't want was that marathon. You know, I didn't want this to constantly. I wanted somebody to come knock on my door and be like, here's the magic formula. You know, you're going to be healed. Don't worry about it. You know, after this, you can move on. Um, but I think I now appreciate the journey. You know, I saw one quote where it's as simple as, you know, mental health isn't a battle to be won. It's a journey to continue walking. And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, being able to put one foot in front of the other day in and day out. And, and for some people, it's literally just getting out of bed. And I mean, I know that sounds kind of, you know, not great, but it's, it's tough. It's, it's a, it's a very cutthroat world. And it's, uh, it's something that, you know, it's, it's a journey. And it's, as long as you can, you know, embrace that journey and understand that there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. And, and to be able to embrace both aspects of that is, uh, it's something that I hope obviously everybody can do. But like you said, it's, uh, everybody's got their own story and everybody's got their own kind of normal. I just got one more quick one, Frank. Um, 
you mentioned how it's the journey and you got to put the work in because of your background for working out when you, when you put it into that perspective, right? Like to become a good hockey player, there isn't just, uh, I'm all of a sudden going to go take two skating lessons and boom, I'm going to skate like McDavid or, you know, whatever it is going to be. Did that help you when you took a step back to say, Hey, to be a good hockey player, I took many, many years and a lot of work. And this is basically now for my mental health, a similar type journey. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, to be able to look at it in that sense where, you know, you have this athlete background, you have this time where you were constantly on the ice and you were, you know, in the summertime before tryouts, you're getting into your best, your best form and you're doing the things that you need to do in order to to get to the place where you want to get to. And I mean, it's uh, whatever respective sport, but I think that's the, the good way of doing it or looking at it, you know, having that perspective as as you can align it with hockey, you can align it with lacrosse, you can align it with this sport, you can align it with what you want to, just because at the end of the day, everything in this life is not easy to, to gain, you know, everything you got to do what you can to achieve your goals. And um, I feel like I'm, I'm preaching here, but at the end of the day, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, to, to look at it that way and to look at it as it's not a job, you know, it's not a, it's not so hard to, to day in and day out, do the things that you need to do. You know, it's a, it's a case of, you know, utilize the people around you and utilize what you're best at and, and find the time for yourself and, and allow yourself that time and, and space to, to, you know, ultimately get to where you want to go. You mentioned uh, utilize the people around you. You know, one of my favorite things about the hockey world is that we all pick each other up. Um, can you just share with us? I, I know Colby Armstrong, for instance, and his wife have been hugely in, influential to you. Uh, you know, who else in the hockey community has helped you get along here? Yeah, there's been, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. I think at the start, I was pretty scared of, um, of the world. I was scared of kind of the media aspect, but I've been in, able to meet some, some pretty special people. Um, even the story I got to do with Ryan Rashog of, uh, you know, TSN about kind of my journey. Uh, I can't remember when I initially did it, but I mean, me and Ryan, I have Ryan's nephew on my Kiwi team now. And I think that's a, a weird full circle, but I mean, we have a, a bond that I think is, is pretty cool. I mean, we were able to just sit in my house and, and, you know, and chit chat with my family and create this story. And it wasn't felt, it didn't feel like it was a job to create this story. It kind of felt natural. And um, I now appreciate, you know, the people that take the time to, to create that, those boundaries, but also create that space to, you know, feel welcome. And that's exactly what Colby and Mel did. I mean, that's a day I'll never forget is, is meeting Sidney Crosby because Colby and Mel were able to, you know, make that happen and, and bring us down. And uh, obviously Pittsburgh is, I think, I hope you both have been because Pittsburgh is now one of my favorite cities, just because not just because of the people and the experiences we have, but just, I mean, it's, it, it feels like home. Like it feels like it's a, a weird second Alberta. And I mean, um, even Ron McLean, uh, I was on a call yesterday with Ron McLean and, and we always pick up right where we left off. And I mean, that guy's got an incredible memory and incredible brain and can tell you exactly what I was wearing the last time we saw each other. But I mean, we've had a couple special moments and he was even a part of that St. Albert Memorial tournament and to have those, you know, have those people in the hockey world that that's still true, duly, deeply care. I think for me, I always thought that, you know, people were going to forget even the three year anniversary last year, you know, I was worried that people were going to kind of, you know, dismiss what happened and forget about it just because it has been a long time already. But I think at the end of the day, the hockey world is so small and the hockey world is so, you know, bonded that no matter what, 
it's uh it's always going to be a day that i think a lot of people will never forget and uh and a lot of people can can really you know reflect in those very moments about how you know they're doing and how they're you know making the impact on on whoever they're a part of in their lives all right let's uh let's play a little rapid fire yeah, so anyway, uh, we always end with rapid fire. Uh, the only rule is you have to answer the question. Okay, some are uh, fun, some are serious. Uh, we'll get right to it. Um, how is uh, Tyler Smith as a coach? How would you describe yourself? A player's coach, a complete player's coach. Uh, I'm too much of a pushover. I'm glad my head coach uh, take the reins sometimes on my forward court because I even hate, you know, making a kid miss a shift. I, uh, I'm the first person on the ice and the last person off usually. And I, I, uh, I never thought I'd love these kids as much as I do. <laughs> so you're, you're practicing with the peewees. Uh, what is the one drill that they're almost as good as you at already? Canada cup or double swing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's so many names for it. Uh, I think the double swing drill, once people, you know, understand what that is, the, the double swing, it's, it's a classic Colin Gregor used to do it all the time, but I, uh, I mean, they're already making those crisp passes that I sometimes miss. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what's one of you, what's one of the favorite pods you like to listen to when you're walking? Armchair expert. I got, uh, I got recommended this one for, uh, I think a couple of years ago now from one of my best friends and, uh, it's not even hockey related, but, uh, Dak Shepard brings on a variety of guests and is able to have these, uh, insightful conversations and articulate, you know, what, what people want to ask these, uh, these, even Dwayne Wade was there, one of their recent guests and, and, you know, to hear his story and to hear his upbringing and, and, you know, South Chicago is, uh, it's pretty neat. So I'd say armchair expert for sure. Uh, are you a reader? And if so, a uh, favorite book that you read in 2021? I wish I could say I was a reader. I've had this conversation so many times, but I do need to do a better job at, at reading. Uh, I read Theo's, Theo Fleury's book. I think it was at the beginning of 2021. Okay. Uh, so that was, you know, playing with fire. That was, a, a, a one I, I fully got through. Um, but yeah, that was a, a pretty wicked story. Now, what about your teammate? Did you read Caleb's book? Not yet. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, cause I was going to ask yet. you for, if there was anything funny that you, cause obviously it's a very serious book, but there's also parts mm. of his life early on. And I was curious about as a teammate, uh, what you would have learned. So we'll ask you that the next time, or is that a book that have you put it off because it's too emotional yet? still yeah i think down the road it's something that i definitely like to dive into but obviously i mean as much as it's been four years it still feels very fresh and i think the shock is still you know there in some capacity so uh down the road it's something i'd like to uh to get to sit down and, and get through but who's your favorite nhl player to watch today I mean, I, I, I still got to stick with my guns and go Sidney Crosby, but I mean, Trevor Segrist is, uh, is fun to watch. Can you do the, uh, can you do the move from behind the net, the, either the flip pass or the, uh, or the lacrosse? Well, you must be able to do the lacrosse goal. You played lacrosse. Yeah, I played lacrosse for 10 years, but unfortunately that lacrosse goal is something that I'll, I'll probably never be able to fully grasp. I can probably do the chip behind the net to, to Sonny Milano, but I can't do that lacrosse goal. I need a lot of wax and I never used wax growing up. Oh, oh, so wax is the tip. Okay. And um, lastly, if you had a choice, because I know you, you took the, uh, the RTA program at Nate and uh, you're doing some media, but you're also coaching. If you had the option, would you rather be an NHL coach or an NHL play-by-play guy? 
Wow. Uh, I know people in both realms and I would honestly say, I'd say NHL coach. All right. But you, you, you'd have to, you'd have to uh, tough it up a little bit by the sounds of it. eh? I would have to get a little Jared Bednar toughness. I will say <laughs> I need a crash course on him. Next time I see him at the golf tournament. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thanks so much uh, for joining us, Tyler. Uh, best of luck. And uh, where's the pod? Where can people listen to you and Riley? Uh, speak your mind podcast. Uh, I think you can listen on Apple, Spotify. Um, but yeah, that's been, uh, obviously, like I said, it's been fun. So I hope that, you know, it can help people in the, in the same way it helps us. Thanks so much, Tyler. Really appreciate you having you. Of course. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Young Tyler Smith, who obviously is a little bit more mature than his 23 years of age at this point and uh, recommend his podcast. A really good guy and great to hear that he's doing so well. Yeah. Speak Your Mind podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and notaloneco.com to see his clothing line. Just to continue that conversation. Uh, Not easy to have the conversation, even less easy to wear apparel that sparks the conversation. So uh, certainly full marks to Tyler. Um, Just an impressive, impressive young guy. Frank, a good episode, man. Uh, Have yourself a great weekend and uh, we will talk to you on Monday and uh, have one of the uh, funnier uh, NHL alumni uh, joining us in uh, Glen Healy. So we're looking forward to that chat on Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.